Okay, so uh, we are in our final week of our series called The Master's Class, and Francis is, going, Francis is going to read the scripture for us this morning. Good morning. Our reading this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had foundations on the rock. But everyone, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. Heavenly Father, as we take time to reflect on uh, these, this short passage this morning, and as we wrap up this time of thinking, this season of thinking about how you have trained us to be disciples who make disciples. We pray that you would help us to hear what you would want to say to us and to do what you would want us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we've just spent six weeks looking at some of the ways that Jesus taught and trained and most importantly showed his disciples how to do what he would ultimately ask them to do um, and what he would ultimately ask, be asking us to do as people who have been called to be disciples who make disciples. Jesus said, Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and then teaching them to do the same. Um, and so over the last six weeks, if you haven't been around that much, we've basically looked at six simple practical principles, um, five and a half of which we've all forgotten by now. Um, that was a joke. I'm going to test you. See how it is true. No, it's not a joke. Okay. Uh, so these are the, the six. Uh, look for or identify the person of peace. Abide in Jesus. Jesus remain in him and you'll bear fruit. Learn to pray on the mission. Look at the Lord's Prayer. Uh, let the gospel impact you. Let it melt your heart and, and let it drive the mission. Um, Good job, Martin. You've skipped ahead. Well done. And uh, uh, rely on God's power, asking him to do the miraculous, and then finally take up your cross. Um, I'm going to give a bit more of a recap of that in a second, but first I just want to open with this. Um, these are not necessarily everything we ought to remember and practice to effectively follow Jesus. It's not as if this is the whole picture. Um, to be disciples who make disciples. There's, there's lots more, of course, that Jesus exemplified and taught. I do think these six things are very much primary. And if there's anything you go, well, what about this? What about that? What about uh, that? Actually, to do these comes other things we naturally know need, we need to actually put into practice in our lives as well. But even if, let, let's just say for a second, this is the whole picture. This is like, you know, Jesus, follow Jesus, make disciples 101. Um, I'm willing to bet that you don't feel like you are an absolute gun at making disciples because you have these six principles that are doable, simple, repeatable, and sustainable. 
that you know them, you're like, okay, cool. This is, I mean, for me, I, I feel like I know these well. I've, I've been, by, by great wise people, I've been taught these well. They're on my mind and my heart all the time. But I don't feel like I'm barely scratching the surface of the Great Commission. Why is that? If I know them, and like, okay, I, even if I'm like these are plastered on the, you know, the inside of my eyeballs, why, why do I not feel like I'm doing it well? Because wise is the one who takes these words of Jesus and memorizes them and preaches six sermons on them? Or did I just misquote it? Wise is the one who takes these words of Jesus and has a deeply engaging Bible study on them? Wise is the one who takes these words of Jesus and turns them into a vision and values and posts them on a notice board somewhere? Oh, that must be right. Yeah, yeah. Wise is the one who takes these words of Jesus and makes sure they point out what other words of Jesus the preacher missed in the sermon series? Right, no, no. Wise is the one who puts these into practice. And this is, this is our greatest challenge. I believe our greatest challenge as Christians in the West is really grasping and believing that Jesus is so masterful in his teaching and training of ordinary disciples to the point where we go, I must put this into practice. Jesus knows what he's talking about, knew what he was doing, and it's not as if it's gotten lost because of history and culture over 2,000 years. It still applies. It's still relevant. Jesus was smart and, and wise enough to teach and train in a way that would apply for all of history, not just for the first century. And this still matters, and it needs to be put into practice. He knows what he's talking about. The kind of life Jesus came and modelled and called his followers to, it actually cut across much of what uh, the religious people of his day thought that obeying God was all about. It cut across it. Jesus' ways were different and some God-honouring people, in fact, maybe many God-honouring people, had a really hard time believing that he knew what he was talking about. Oh, I, I just can't grasp that. We know how to obey God and do what God wants of us. Unfortunately, though, we are much like those religious people in the first century. Like Much of what I've come to assume following Jesus was all about turns out to be a mix of religious tradition, practices formed by our culture, Western principles with a sprinkling of Jesus, or with a kind of a flavor of religion that basically says, do this rigorous, complex, pious set of things and God will be pleased. Now, I know we, we think, oh, no, that's not me. I know the gospel. I know, you know, just about Jesus' grace. Actually, a lot of the time, we've been formed into this thinking that it's, because this is the message of the world over and over again, do this rigorous, complex, pious set of things and that's what pleases God. And Jesus came with a simple message of good news, simple message of good news, which we respond to with simple acts of obedience to share the good news. Now, I realize this can be a massive sort of mindset shift, but this is the reality. Personally, I've been challenged so deeply by the Scriptures and by the Holy Spirit to realize this. Jesus, there's a lot of stuff I'm doing to serve you. And if I'm honest... I'm looking now and going, 
not much of it seems to be what you asked me to do. It's what I've thought and constructed and made complex. Like, oh, this is, this is what serving God's about. Not much of it is actually what Jesus said. And maybe this is just me, but maybe you resonate with this as well. And you might say, like I have, you know, I've ticked the Bible reading box, but I'm not really abiding with my full attention. Or I go into prayer meetings and I tick that box, but I'm, I'm praying prayers that don't have much to do with your mission, which is what the Lord's Prayer was about. I'm giving myself wholeheartedly to the 99, the church, but I don't really care that much for the one. When you, Jesus, said, I'll leave the 99 to go for the one. 90% of the time, that was me. You get it the wrong way around. But by God's grace, I think that's shifting a bit in me. I hope it's shifting a bit in you. And I know I'm trying to put into practice what Jesus actually wants of me, not what I think will please him because of all this other stuff I've constructed. And, and it's, the good news is that what Jesus has called us to is actually simple, doable stuff that requires less striving and more faith. We tend to go more striving and less faith. What's safe? It's less striving and more faith. I feel like when I do this, when I do the simple things that Jesus, the principles Jesus has taught, I'm building my life on not on shifting sand, but on like a solid rock, as the scripture said today. So um, I'm going to shorten the sermon significantly today so that we can have a bit of time of reflection, then chat to a few people around you or chat online if you're online this morning about what is, having taken these six principles that we've talked about, these six practices, what is the one thing, the next step that Jesus is asking me to do to be obedient to him as a disciple maker? Because it's all good to listen to six sermons and as we said, you've, we've forgotten five and a half of the principles. But as I recap them today, what's just that one thing? Discipleship, in essence, is about this. Listen and obey. Hear the word of the Lord for you and put it into practice. And so we want to try and do that today, take a bit of time for that. Chat in, in small groups and then leave some space to pray this morning as we close in worship. So here's my summary of the last six weeks in a nutshell. So get your um, phone out if you want to take these down or, or, or um, you know, check uh, whatever, you, whatever you need to do to sort of remember these and try and internalize these to then reflect on them later. First one was, uh, this is going back now six weeks ago, Jesus taught his disciples to identify the person of peace. Put it another way, um, are you looking for where God is already at work in the life of a non-Christian? In other words, God's softening their heart to, at least to you, if not to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus and to Jesus himself who lives in you. This just means looking for someone who is open. Looking for someone who welcomes you. In the, the passage, uh, Luke 9 and 10 talks about you know, those who invite you into their home and let you stay, you know, th- that kind of thing. Um, someone who doesn't avoid you because you follow Jesus. It's really simple, but this is exactly how Jesus taught his disciples. Be open to moving the conversation gently from trivial things like the weather to meaningful things and even spiritual things eventually to Jesus' conversation. Every Christian can do this because we are not meant to bring people into relationship with Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. He is the great evangelist, to use a sometimes scary term, but something we need to reclaim eventually. He is the great evangelist, and he's really, 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 really good at it. 
The Holy Spirit is really good at drawing people into relationship with the Father through Jesus. But he looks for us to join him in that process. He looks for us to join him in what he's doing and be a mouthpiece. So here's a question someone asked me the other day. Have you asked God to give you eyes to see where he's at work in someone's life? Have you asked God to give you eyes to see what he's doing, what the Holy Spirit's doing in someone's life who doesn't know Jesus? To identify a person, of a potential person of peace who's open and willing and possibly even willing to receive the message of Jesus, the good news, if we would join the Holy Spirit. So that's the first thing, identifying that person of peace, trusting, joining the Holy Spirit in what he's doing. Jesus also taught his disciples to abide in him, to remain in him, and then you will bear fruit. Success is not the goal, fruit is. Success, the way the world defines it, is not the goal, fruit is. And that fruit, biblically biblically speaking, as Andrew put out a couple of weeks back, is two things. Uh, The fruit of the Spirit, which is about character, and the fruit of the harvest, which is about converts. And Jesus made it very clear, trying to get these things won't work. Trying to go after these things on our own won't work. He said, abide in me. Very simple, not complex, like we want to make it. But we need to trust Jesus that, it, that it's true. The image is this. Jesus says, I'm the one who will do the real work. My power, my life will flow from me, the vine, to you, the branches, and this will bear the fruit of the kingdom. Notice how these, these sort of master classes from Jesus fit together. Go identify people of peace, but don't do it with your eyes and your wisdom. Abide in me and I'll do it through you, right? It all goes together. He also taught them to pray on the mission. The Lord's Prayer is great advice in general on how to pray, but it's Really, it's, it's how to pray while on the mission of making disciples. And it's because it's about coming to God as Father, King, remember any of the other ones? Provider, forgiver, <laughs> forgive us our sins. All you have to do is think through the prayer. Who is God in this? Our Father in heaven, Father, your kingdom come, our King. Give us our daily bread. He's our provider. Forgive us our sins. He's our forgiver. Lead us not into temptation. Protect us from temptation. Not protect us from danger. Protect us from temptation. And deliver us. Deliver us. Because he's the one who we really need as we go out as lambs among wolves, as Luke 10 puts it. Jesus taught them then that the gospel drives the mission. Jimmy uh, uh, Duff, who was here a few weeks ago, I think just preached a very powerful message. We need the gospel to melt our hearts. Otherwise, we're not going to be motivated to go and share the good news with other people. Jesus, uh, the, the people that Jesus' disciples saw him minister to became these living examples of just how good the good news was. Right? They saw Jesus pulling these people who were considered the lowest of the low 
out of where they were, his mercy and grace, pulling them out like Zacchaeus and, and, and the woman at the well, the, considered the lowest of the low. And, and then they themselves, as the disciples, had to experience his love and be melted by the good news, by Jesus, because that is the only thing that would motivate them to go and proclaim the good news to anyone else. Has your heart, those watching online, those in the room, has your heart been melted, destroyed by the gospel the good news that Jesus came to you in your lowest moment and picked you up and brought you out of your sin into freedom. Have you recognized how absolutely, completely without hope and purpose and meaning you are without Jesus and been so wrecked by that that you've dropped to your knees and thank God for his incredible grace? We need to get to that point over and over again because this drives the mission. Jesus taught his disciples, fifthly, that they would need the power of God. Bottom line, it takes a miracle to change a human heart or mind, right? It takes a miracle. And Jesus gave authority to his disciples literally to perform miracles for the purpose of awakening people to the love of God, which is great because it's like all about God does the work. We can't do miracles. I can't do miracles. None of us can do miracles. Jesus does the work, not us. Good news. Except that we've got to take the risks because he wants to use us. He wants to do it through us. Signs and wonders don't happen when we sit back and watch. Um, just on this one, little side note, when we have chats in a few minutes, go, what is the Lord saying to me? What's my next step? Some of you will feel like this is the thing, but because it's the most risky and the one that people will look at you weirdly, if you go, I think this is what God's calling me into, you'll go, I think I'll choose another one. There's, there's five others to choose from. I'll go with one of them. If this is your next step, please be open to the miraculous. We don't want to ignore the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, powerful work of the Holy Spirit. We need this in our lives and in our church. Finally, Jesus taught his disciples to take up your all of this is simple but it's hard it's not meant to be easy it's just not meant to be complex either simple but hard we tend towards complex and easy and think it's the same but choosing to follow Jesus doing what he taught will place you in situations that you don't want to be in giving up things because you're abiding in Christ, being rejected or criticized because your faith's on your tongue now. But those who lose their life for Jesus' sake will find it, he said. So that's a little summary. Um, what we're going to do now is uh, take a moment, turn to um, those, uh, someone next to you and just talk about this. What is Jesus asking me to do to be obedient to him as a disciple maker? What is in other words, my one thing or my next step. Um, I'm going to go time for the introverts first, right? Two minutes to just sit and reflect. Otherwise, the extroverts start talking and the introverts don't get any time to actually think about it. So I'm going to have two minutes just to sit and be silent and think and pray and reflect and then turn to two or three people around you. You can pick a bigger group if you like um, and uh, chat about it with each other. So there, two minutes just to to stop and think. Father, I pray that as we reflect on this now, you would speak to us. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit into this space and show us how you want to be, us to be obedient to you, Lord Jesus, as disciples who make disciples. So uh, music, I'll get the music team to come up in a second. 
If we just want to bring it back to the middle now. Um, as you take away those, that one thing, um, I know it's really easy to be a little bit vague. A um, few of the people online say, like, oh, I think I need to do this. But it's good to ask the how, the practical, to make that pre-commitment to go, you know, there's actually studies that have been done on the power of pre-commitment. We make a pre-commitment, it actually can work. We need accountability and all those kinds of things, of course. Um, but to actually say, okay, I'm going to commit to do this. Um, and, and get practical. Don't say, oh, I need, to, I need to abide in Jesus. I need to abide in Jesus. How? <laughs> What's worked for you before? Um, that's maybe gotten lost uh, in a bit by the wayside. Or, um, uh, or if it's like, I need, I need to identify the person of peace. How? Where, which, space, which spaces are you going to pray when you step into to go, God, give me the eyes to see who in my workplace or my neighbor, uh, my street or whatever it is, is open to you? you know, what, what are the practical things? worth doing so um, and as we commit them to the Lord I really believe he helps us to do them um, especially as we journey with others in these things following Jesus and making disciples is not easy but it is simple it's not complicated it's not complex Um, just to finish off I do want to encourage one thing for all of us um, because sometimes it is easy to take this we just put the the list back up Marty Um, sometimes easy to look at these things and go Okay, great. Uh, you know, I think the Lord's saying, and then we pick the sort of the one that's most comfortable to us. But one of the things about these uh, aspects of following Jesus and, and making disciples is that they're not in isolation from one another. It's not kind of sometimes we do one and sometimes we do two, sometimes we do three, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They all go together. And one of the most practical ways I think we can put these together, and um, uh, especially something in particular powerful at Easter time, is simply to pray for people in our lives who don't know Jesus. If you're sick of hearing me say this, good, I'll keep saying it a bit more. <laughs> um, because it's such a powerful thing, because it starts to shift our heart, and it starts to shift their heart, and even, depending on your theology, it starts to shift God's heart. We pray for people, um, and we make an intentional effort for it. And so I want to encourage you, um, like last week I had these little cards, you don't need the card, you can put it on your phone, write on a piece of paper, whatever you want to do. Who are your five? Just, just for this week, if you're like, oh, I did it for a week and that was, uh, you know, whatever, that, that's fine. You can drop it after that. But just for this week, just this, this holy week, as we head between now and Easter Sunday, seven days, who are five people can pray for? Um, I'm not saying like, you know, and then if they don't come to Jesus in the next seven days, it was a failure. <laughs> I'm saying, let's, let's make a commitment. Pray for five people in our lives who we might run into at Easter time. Maybe we won't run into them at Easter time. But we know that the message of the gospel for them, they haven't grasped it. They haven't maybe even heard it. And we can pray for them that God would open some kind of a door, whether it be through us or someone else, um, for them to hear the message of Jesus. So could we do that? Awesome. Um, For the four of you who are going to do that this week, that's great. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you are a pursuing, uh, relentless God who who chases after the one, who goes and leaves the 99 to seek out that one lost sheep. Father, I thank you that the mission you have called us to is not to build complex systems that make the church, but to do simple things that would allow us to be used by the Holy Spirit 
to draw people closer to the Father. And as we head into the most special and significant week of the year, as we pray together in the mornings, as we pray individually throughout the day, then as we gather together next weekend on Friday reflecting on the cross and on Sunday reflecting on the empty tomb, Lord Jesus, may you draw us deeper into your heart that we would be mobilised to be prayerful people and to be people who live out and speak the gospel in our lives so that others would come to know abundant life in you. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said. Let's stand and sing together in response this morning. And as we sing, uh, maybe the stuff we've been chatting about, um, that God will be continuing to reveal what what it is that he wants us to do.